there's a drive in Kelly for like serious self-worth. Get curious about sex. I'm not only going to woo my partner, but I'm going to woo myself. And then meditate. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a monk. You're not always in control. And it was like pride, not have periods, not have emotions. I'm going to need to feel everything. I found in those shattered pieces my truth. We're just piling more shame and judgment on top of the original problem. You're sick. Your body's revolting against you. Epstein-Barr virus, not a megalovirus. These are things that can be simmering on you that you don't know. And they're the trigger for your problem. Making the connection between your mind and your body, your emotional needs. That is how we heal. You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. We have one of my favorite guests of all time back on the show. I honestly became obsessed with Hannah Bloom when I found her. She is one of the most transparent and inspiring people I have ever encountered. In our first episode that we did together, we talked about her trip to the mental hospital when everything broke. And she said this quote, which has been in the open of my show for months now because it hit me so hard. She said in her shattered pieces, she found her truth. If that does not match what we are about here in this community and on the show, I don't know what does. She is the epitome and embodiment of a woman who has so honestly and bravely shared and tackled something so difficult and so deep. And Hannah is living with bipolar disorder. And I brought her back on the show as we have been going through quarantine and talking more about mental health, because as an advocate, the conversations with her are so important so that we all feel seen and heard and understood and know that we can ask for help. And as we get into this conversation, we do talk a lot about the fact that the idea of what broken is, is not actually what it means for us and how we do find our truth, how we do rise again, how we do get connected with our bodies and let go of the noise and the things that other people believe and say when that's not true for us, when that's not authentic to our experience. And I really love the way Hannah takes responsibility for herself and her actions and the way she shows up so vulnerably to support others as well. I love, 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 love this conversation. She is also the author of The Truth About Broken. I cannot recommend it enough. And if you are listening to this and you want Hannah's book, I will send it to you. I bought quite a few when she put it out because I really believe that Everyone needs to hear her story and her message. So if you send me a screenshot of your review of the show, I will mail you Hannah's book, my treat. Before we get into this one with Hannah, I wanted to tell you about my program that I launched. It will be starting on June 1st, was in just a couple days, and it is called Her Truth. 
a coming home to the wild. And I curated this for a small group of women to facilitate an experience of finding ourselves and getting rid of the noise and breaking free while doing so with a sense of sisterhood and connection. So it's a four month program. And within the program, you will get a guided journal with prompts to release patterns and beliefs and make space for that wild woman within you. I will be facilitating a monthly women's circle over Zoom. And you'll also get two audio lessons per month, similar to this and a guided audio journey for self-pleasure and getting connected with your body. This is the blueprint for how I got here. And because that's the most asked question I get from you is what do I do to find myself, to break free of the noise, to find my truth? This is what I did. I put it all on paper and I created a program for you. So the lessons that I went through that we'll go through together The great unlearn, surrender, get curious, you are not broken, the divine feminine, free your voice, unlock, and play. And we'll be diving deep into each of these two lessons a month and then talking about them within our circle. And that will be what you will be doing the work for in your guided journal. So if it's time for you and you feel called, I would absolutely love to have you. You can go to kellytenant.com slash her dash truth for more. That link is in the show notes and I can't wait to embark on this journey with you. All right, let's get to Hannah. Hannah, <laughs> you wrote a book. I wrote a book. In so pu- I know. I know. We and talked we about that. it on my couch as we snuggled your- and recorded the last time you were on my I show. Know. And look at you now, girl. And I look to your book for referencing. I mean, like, seriously, like you inspire, honestly, Kelly, you really inspired me to do the self-publishing to get it done. Yeah. I'm glad. Just get your truth. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. I finally got it out there. It was like, thank God. It is everything. I actually um, have a bunch of copies upstairs. I've been giving them to people. I'm so proud of you. Um, Thank you. But the name... The truth about broken. I want to get into that because that word broken seems to be coming up a lot, especially right now. Mm -hmm. People feel very broken. People feel like there's something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. I want to know what it feels like for you, having been through so many experiences. Yeah. What you look at broken as and why we immediately jump to I'm broken. I have failed. There's something wrong with me. Right. Um, so broken is my favorite word. And I think that it's a label that because I've lived with bipolar disorder and mental illness that I've been, you know, stamped with damaged goods, broken, a broken mind. And, you know, on this journey, right, is that I've learned to redefine broken and have realized through these experiences that I face that actually broken is where we are most whole, like broken exposes everything about ourselves and it's, it's where truth exists. And the best way I would explain it to people is that 
your closest friends that you have, okay, are the people that were there for you when you were down. All right. So like the experiences you learn from the most are the ones when you were down and shattered. The best relationships are not the people that are there when you're on top, but they're there when you've been broken down. And that says something. Um, And I think that we are kind of in this day where healing is so beautiful, but we're obsessed with trying to fix ourselves. But we pretend like we're not. You know what I mean? It's like passive. It's like, you know, being perfect, but every single day, you know, try to be, you know, do everything you can to be fixed. It contradicts itself. And so I find broken to be just such a strong word that people should learn to embrace versus reject. Wow. The way you explain that is so amazing. And Sasha is saying this resonates so much. I feel the same way, Sasha. Sasha. We, and this is part of why I left LA, to be honest, wellness and healing, no matter what you're healing from, has become such a thing of achievement and it needs to look a certain way within Mm -hmm. a certain filter. And if it doesn't, then you've done it the wrong way. So you're trying to heal from one thing while in this rat race and then going to have to heal something else. Yep. Yeah. And I felt like this is no longer clean. This is no longer Mm -mm. pure. This has become dirty as well. Right. And I love what you're saying because in so many ways we are meant to believe that there is something within us that needs fixing. Oh yeah. At what point did you realize I don't need to be fixed? I can be in shattered pieces on the floor and grow from here and know that I am not wrong or bad. Yeah. So I think it was actually just like a couple of years ago, really, when I kind of came to this conclusion because I had been, I jumped off my meds and I went into this whole, uh, you know, idea of this model we have for wellness and being this person and every day doing it and doing it. And my life became about healing and I was actually numbing myself by constantly looking for the next inspiration and affirmation and and exercise and diet plan. And I broke, I was 20. So it was a couple of years ago. I'm 30 now. It was when I was 27 and I broke down. I self-harmed for the first time. I was completely shattered. And that's kind of when I said to myself, this isn't working. Something's not right here. Like I'm doing something backwards. And in my book too, I talk about in the beginning, this therapy session that I had where the therapist made me look at these pictures of myself throughout my life and was like, have you ever loved yourself? And I was like, no, like in every single picture. And when you look back at those pictures of yourself, right, you remember what you were thinking at that time. And it was like, I hated myself in every single one. And it's because I realized and I said, loving myself feels wrong because I'm broken. And that's when things began to click. It's, it was the fact that in broken in my life, that is where I'm whole. It's beautiful to me. It's like, um, you know, like you were saying, just this constant need to get 
to be fixed. And Kelly, like I think about, you know, I've been speaking out lately about the wellness thing. And I actually always think about you because I've always wanted to be very careful with the line that I go because I'm like, think of Kelly, who's this wellness, you know, you've been, and I'm like, you're such a great influencer, but unfortunately it's so hard to play in between. And you're so right with the wellness thing. I mean, I feel bad for like influencers, not feel bad, but like for influencers about like you that have kind of, you know, now your, your like thing is kind of being taken everywhere. Yeah. And I think, I mean, honestly, the way it felt for me was I, I, I have been so controlling and such a perfectionist for so much of my life. And that gave me a sense of safety and feeling mm. like I had my shit together. And when I started to realize that it didn't have to look a certain way, I reevaluated my life and the way I was living. Mm. And I, like you, it was the same thing. I need this mantra. I need this guru. I need this yeah. meditation. I need this healer outside, outside, outside. And what I realized is that that is what the wellness industry feeds off of. Because mm-hmm. that is why it is a billion, multi-billion dollar industry oh. because we're constantly in need of someone else fixing us. Yeah. And what I realized is that I am my own healer. Yes. And I get to go inward. I get to ask myself the hard questions. I get to mm-hmm. freaking trust myself for the yes. first time and not look externally for a fucking green juice or a yes. yoga class to be the answer, answer yeah. to all of my problems. And when I, when I realized that even the way I teach now, people ask me all the time, like listeners of the show, what's your morning routine? What's your daily thing? What this, what's that? And I go, it's different every day. Yeah. Sometimes I just cry. And that is my spiritual practice for the day. Sometimes I journal and can't stop. Sometimes I'm lighting sage, reading books, whatever it is, but I'm honoring my path. And Mm. that is where I feel you have really stepped into this role of teaching from a place of empowerment of, I am not your guru. And this other thing, this entity is not going to fix you. It is time to trust yourself and take it into your hands and be in choice for yourself, not a victim and not asking everyone else to come in and fix your life for you. Yep. Amen. Amen, girl. That is exactly right. Like you couldn't have explained it better. And the irony of it that I find like funny is that not even funny is that it portrays the opposite. Like it's people speaking on the fact, be your own healer and stuff, but it's like, they're not doing it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad. And I'm so happy to hear that in your teaching and stuff, it's evolved into like this new wave of, I think what wellness and stuff is going to be. Yeah. Because the way we've all grown up is that we're not taught to trust ourselves. No. And especially as women, that leads into some really poor scenarios in the workplace, in relationships, in sex. And we never, yeah, we never have this idea of, oh, I am trustworthy within my own relationship Mm -hmm. in my body. I create safety for myself. We believe that we are answering to everyone else. And that's a scary place to be. And I don't want to perpetuate that cycle anymore. I truly believe that if we took the time to get quiet with ourselves, we would always find the answers within us. Yeah. 
Yeah. And sometimes even if you like the thing is with mental illness and why it's why I'm speaking out like with this is um, the thing is, is that specifically you you won't. And, and just like with so many people, pain is an, is like we are not entitled to a pain free life, period pain is always going to be present. Emptiness is all, you know, always going to be present. It's about finding the fullness within the emptiness. And I think we don't talk about that enough. We pretend like we're dealing with our pain and stuff like that, but we're not, we're not acknowledging it. We're pretending like we're healed, we're healed from it. You know, we're like working together when that, you know, sometimes you just have to be okay with being messy and that's great. Um, Sasha, I'm going to get to your question in a second, but I want to make sure I address this because we got into this a little bit last time that you were on my show. And I really, Mm -hmm. I appreciate your willingness to talk about these things because I think it's so important. I, I really have a hard time with Western medicine for so many reasons. And we Mm -hmm. talked about this before. There is always a time and place for medication and this feeds into the wellness space. So I would like for you to speak on as someone living with bipolar disorder, what it's like for you when someone tells you to breath work your way out of bipolar. Oh, girl, <laughs> it's like, and yeah. And now I'm really pushing it because I see how bad it's gotten with this new, like holistic psychology, which is great again. Like I know, and I loved having that conversation with you um, because it's so important is that for me, it immediately, I mean, it's, I look at it as disrespect, almost a disrespect of someone's pain and it's irresponsible and it's just absolutely unacceptable. And when somebody tells me that, It just, it fuels me. It really fuels me because I'm not even just thinking about myself because I become confident enough, right? To be like, no, you know, don't ever tell people like that. And, and, you know, whatever. I always think about the person that's going to be told that, that isn't there, that is going to get off their medication, that's going to jump off, that's going to feel ashamed. And it really makes me upset because it's a disrespect of everybody's route to healing or happiness, you know, and like, of course, holistic ways in these, these, not everybody needs medication. Of course not. Like, you know, not everybody does. And that's a beautiful thing, but to deny that people with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and these chemical imbalances can simply do it and inner do inner work and stuff to get rid of that is it's dangerous and very risky um to speak on so freely uh yeah it makes me really upset it makes me really upset because it's denying somebody from the treatment that they uh, have the right to i love that you said that and i think what you have done so beautifully is utilize your medication and your process of healing to then give you a solid, safe foundation to then go into your inner work. Yes. How have you really bridged the holistic route and Western medicine, knowing that this combination is what allows you to really look inward and live your, for lack of a better term, your best life. (laughs) Oh yeah. Living my best life. Um, 
Basically, so I think that the priority and I've realized this even recently because I still struggle and I like I'll even open up and I'm going to talk about it. it was only recently that I jumped off my meds again because I just felt consumed by people and, and, and telling me. And for some reason, I can't I haven't figured it out yet, but I jumped, which means I need more inner work. Something's going on. Right. And so right there, the way that I bridge the gap is that my foundation, like you said, and my priority is medication because I cannot do anything else if I'm not stable. Okay. So once I've got that stabilized, then it's about acknowledging the other things. And I'm not perfect with it either. Like currently I'm looking for a therapist and someone to, and I struggle with therapy. So for someone to connect with, and that's when you're able to get stable, that's when you're able to really thrive on doing the inner work and focusing and doing therapy and doing the holistic side, which is huge. But what we miss is creating that foundation for people with mental illness. They just, they feel so much shame that they're trying to build on a, on a foundation that doesn't exist. And it all crashes at some point, you know, um, because I truly believe, you know, people have come to me, oh, well, I'm 50 years old and I don't, um, you know, I have bipolar, I have bipolar disorder. I've been 10 years free without medication and um, I'm totally fine. And so I believe in that. And I always tell them, I'm sorry, but you were misdiagnosed then. Because I've seen you don't get far with being untreated for bipolar disorder without medication or schizophrenia. Talk to me more about that because I don't know enough. Um, how often are you seeing people being misdiagnosed and in a space where they probably need more help than they're getting, but they're not aware of that? Oh yeah. People get misdiagnosed all the time. I think doctors throw out, you know, the thing is, is like, we can all fit the, the model, right. For every single mental illness, when you think about it, um, you know, depression and anxiety. So I see when people are kind of thrown and you've even expressed this, you know, you're thrown onto medication and it throws you for a loop. And I've met a lot of people that are constantly misdiagnosed with either the wrong condition or getting diagnosed with something they don't even have, or they're not getting diagnosed at all. And the biggest thing that the biggest call to action with that is having psychiatrists and coming together with the mental health community and understanding we need better psychiatrists. We need better therapists. A lot of people get in the bit. I mean, psychiatry is, is not where it should be. And I think that's, that's what it's about. Um, I think they should also have now more technology to really have better information of how to give a proper diagnosis. Because if you don't get diagnosed and you're living your life and you're still going through these severities, you know, it's putting your life at risk. And then if you're getting diagnosed and on medications, that throws you for another loop. Because those medications are no joke. You know, I tell people all the time, there, I have friends that have gone through depression so severely they've gotten on antidepressants to like, whoa, like some of the stuff they get thrown on. I'm like, girl, don't take that. Mm -mm. Like it will knock you out. It's kind of intense. And so I think that that's a problem as well. Yeah. That's what I experienced. Um, yeah. Was I was on like nine different medications and oh they thought I had gosh. fibromyalgia 
which meant let's put her on muscle relaxers, nerve blockers, painkillers, sleeping medication, and antidepressants. I was hallucinating every day. I was suicidal. I like lost my shit and I had just been an incredibly healthy top level college volleyball player and totally fine to the next day that. And I'm like, maybe there should have been more testing and maybe some more conversations and not just sending me home with all these pills and zero direction. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. It's a lack of effort in the psychiatry world. It's a lack of effort and it's a lack, it's carelessness. And, you know, of course there's so many great psychiatrists there that are doing their job, but again, you can't play in that middle. And the fact is, is that of so many, they're not. They're not. And they, that has to be settled out because I've heard stories of people who have been misdiagnosed and gotten on medication and and committed suicide because of it. I mean, you just said that yourself. So um, it's a severe problem. There's so many things we have to acknowledge. I know. Oh my God. Where do we even begin? I (laughs) want to, I want to get a little bit more into um, why you got off your medication. You felt a lot of pressure. I'm wondering what else is kind of bubbling beneath the surface for you on that one. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I, uh, this is why I love this podcast. I always, I mean, like you doing this, you're so comfortable. You're so amazing. I'm like, Oh, I was never going to tell anybody that. And oh, I'm like, okay, Kelly, I love you. Um, you know, so this is something I'm still trying to figure out. I think that recently in the last couple of months, I've been angry because I've been reading and seeing a lot of wellness influencers and holistic psychologists denying mental illness, um, saying that, you know, you've seen my post that it's simply a messenger. And I mean, severe mental illnesses, like to say schizophrenia is not a real thing is extremely dangerous. Um, I found myself in, in hearing the things in the pill shaming I'm still trying to figure it out, but I just one day stopped taking them. And I almost, I think what it is, and again, like this is when I'm going to have to do the inner work and talk to a therapist because the fact is, is like I can, to put myself in a situation like that is irresponsible and it's deadly. And I know this, there's a reason why I did it, but I think, and what I'm leaning to, or maybe I'm just telling myself this is I needed reassurance as crazy as it sounds to remind me I do have to be on medication. Mm. I, I know because like, you know, and you know, like as an advocate and an activist, it's hard. It's hard. And I was feeling defeated. And like you, you start to question yourself, like, okay, I have to make sure if I'm taking this and going after people and calling people out, I, I felt insecure, which I knew like, it's very stupid because I knew that, but I get, you get nervous. What if I'm saying the wrong thing? And girl, within a couple of days, I hit so low rock bottom was above me and it was a blessing in disguise. It was stupid and I can't even, but in a way, first of all, it woke me up to obviously some inner problems going on here. So I can get that worked on. But the other thing is it woke me up to the fact that never do that again. I think I'm always testing the waters, but um, this is real. This is real. Like 
you know, I was testing myself almost, which again is unacceptable. But I just felt I feel sometimes alone in what I'm trying to speak. And I wanted to be before I went after, like, can I do it without medication? And within a couple of days, I was like, no, I had to call. I mean, I went a couple of weeks and I, I just spiraled out. And so, yeah. So, yeah, I can't give a solid answer yet. That's going to, you know, I'm going to have to do a lot of work to really figure that out. A brief pause in my amazing conversation with the one and only Hannah Bloom to tell you about our sponsors today, Clear Stem Skincare. Let me tell you something. I got tired a couple years ago of putting toxins and hormone disruptors on my body, and I felt like I had been lied to for so much of my life, saying that this is natural and healthy and clean, and yet yeah, it, most of it's not. Let's be serious. So when I found... Danielle and Kaylee and realized they had created the skincare line that was completely free of hormone disruptors or toxins. I was like, here's my address. Please send me everything that you have created. And I'm so glad I did. Danielle is the owner of San Diego Acne Clinic and Kaylee is a holistic nutritionist. They both truly understand the gut connection, what we're putting in our bodies, what we're putting on our skin and how that affects us. Their entire line is fantastic. I am just rave reviews across the board. Love the serum, Cell Renew, reverses acne scars, increases collagen elasticity, reduces redness. It's just magic in a bottle if I could sum it up in a couple words. And they're doing such a beautiful job of educating as well about how we get acne and where it comes from with their Ditch Your Acne course. So I want you to have all the things from Clear Stem. Go to clearstemskincare.com. That's clear, S-T-E-M, skincare.com. Use my code KellyT at checkout. You'll get $10 off the products and 15% off the Ditch Your Acne course. This is an incredible line. It's really all that I use now, and I'm so glad that I found them. I also want to tell you guys about BetterHelp. So BetterHelp has been so, so supportive of my spiritual journey over the last few months, which I never thought I would say about a company that has therapists, but here we are and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> so I was actually looking for more talk therapy. You know, I've been doing all the somatic and the body work and movement, and I really wanted someone to just hear me blabber. And what I got was kind of a mix of everything. And my therapist is very spiritual, very connected, really understands my frame of mind and how I view the world and my experience. So feeling seen in that way feels really good. And she can also go the talk therapy route when necessary, but I'm never bored. She's always so encouraging and she challenges me and she tells me books to read and things to look into and mindfulness practice that really resonate with me. So I love this program that BetterHelp has created. You can get help within 24 hours. They have licensed professionals uh, that are therapists and counselors that you can connect with. You can do it video, phone, chat. Really, this is therapy your way, however you want. And it's very affordable. So if you would like support and help, you can go to betterhelp.com slash Kelly and you'll get 10% off 
And I'd love to hear about your experience and what kind of support you feel you're getting from BetterHelp. All right, let's get back to Hannah. Do you feel like you take on too much within this advocacy for other people and the pressure and what that looks like? Yeah, I think that um, another good reason I need to find somebody, I think that I've kept a lot of things internalized. I take other people's pain and with the advocacy and, you know, doing it for eight years now and seeing some of the things that I've seen in the just really the pain of other individuals. I do. I think that it's the it is my life. Okay, and so that's both a great thing. But I I know about myself at this point. I'm really desensitized. And I have to be a little bit for doing it, you know, doing what I'm doing, but I'm very desensitized now. Um, And I think that, yeah, there's I, you know, get at night, uh, sometimes, especially recently, I feel defeated. Um, I feel at times, even though my growth and stuff, the minute I see, you know, somebody saying these things or saying and questioning mental illness and people are getting fueled by it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, am I ever going to get there? And there's a lot of pressure because the fact is, is like, I know people are dying and I see it every day. I get messages every single day and people, you know, mothers and fathers and people living with mental illness and people who have lost someone to suicide. And I feel the pressure. And one thing I've learned, though, about myself is that I've been angry. I've been too angry. I've got to balance that out. Like, I think that I was becoming too angry and not working, thinking about how do we come together? I was just pissed. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, like that's draining. Yeah. And I think it's a it's learning to balance and understanding how you can work with the issue rather than yes. constantly on the defensive. Yeah. 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 I mean, how do you feel like you're, you know, you're an advocate. Like, do you feel, how do you have you create? I'm curious that balance. Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, it's really comes down to boundaries. Um, Mm. One boundaries with the people that I speak to on the show or who are in like group programs with me or coaching calls. I really work to create boundaries so that I'm not taking all of their stuff on because I am very, um, connected. I am very sensitive. And so I'll start Mm -hmm. feeling all their stuff. And then I can't decipher, Oh shit, is this mine or is this hers and what's happening? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first thing I also have come to realize that, um, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to help everyone and understanding I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so really just my whole thing now is just showing up genuinely and as honest as possible And Mm -hmm. letting that speak to the people it's meant to reach. Wow. Because if you're in that state of flow of like, I'm going to show up the way I know that I can and and the way I'm capable of for you. And if it reaches you, then that's what it's meant to be. But trying to like force it and control the experience and I have to help everyone and and feeling Uh, that like constant obligation. I don't think that helps anyone. So no. No, yeah. it doesn't. And even recently, like once the, the quarantine is over, I even start moving around. But I even told myself that at this point, it's time for me to hire like, um, you know, an assistant or, or start to build a little more of a team because I am taking on too much and spreading it out and having things because it's just a lot. 
And so coming to that and realizing, cause I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I don't need any help, you know, like I can do it on my own. And the fact is, is we all need help. And so, yeah. You know what that brings up for me? I'm not a psychiatrist, so don't take this you know, oh, further yeah. than what I'm going to say, but um, I'm definitely not you. I think you just sort of answered your question when it comes to the medication, you want to do it on your own. You don't yes. want help. Yes. Okay. Like what? Okay. Thank you for saving me. <laughs> like, I feel okay. that like you're so independent. Mm. You didn't, you don't want people to feel bad for you. You want to handle right. it on your own. You're this like, like rock star badass chick. And I think that when you get to a point of overwhelm and then you drop back into patterns of, I got this, I don't need help. And that is also in terms of medication. Yeah. I think like now that you say that, I think that you're right. Like in so many ways, that's a huge, huge part of it. Even, you know, what's crazy is it's like subconscious. Like I don't even know it, but there must have been a part of me because in the last couple of months, I've been really getting like a lot of like holistic psychologists and wellness people like coming after it and sending me things and, and all of it that I think, like you just said, I must have felt weak for taking meds and I, I didn't want help. You know what I mean? And I wanted to be like strong and, and stuff like that. Wow. Kelly, you're unbelievable. That's <laughs> actually so true. Cause that's me to a T. I will try to do if I, if I could have eight arms, I would. And it's crazy to do that. Yeah. Because you can't have all of this success and helping other people. If you don't take care of yourself no. on the most basic level, which for you living with bipolar disorder means your basic level is eating healthy, moving, mm -hmm. sleeping and medication. Yep. So. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Kelly, that's brilliant. You're so, you read right into everything. Like you read right into it. You're so good with that. Thank you. I no, you are. That. You saved me a thousand dollars. too. So thank <laughs> please, you. Please still go get therapy. <laughs> yeah, no, I will. I will. Don't worry. Um, okay. I want to get to Sasha's question. Cause I really yes. love this so much. She says, can you guys talk about how to create safety within ourselves? That is not just a mantra. What do you think? Okay. So I, you, so this is your, the language I am not familiar with a little bit. So can you highlight on what that means? I want to learn number one and be able to answer properly. Yeah. So, um, a lot of women, especially, I think men feel this too, but a lot of women, um, don't feel safe in their own bodies. And usually it's directly linked with trauma. So a lot of it can be sexual trauma or not feeling good enough, um, not feeling worthy. Um, and, and so, and I'm sure people that are living with any kind of mental illness don't feel safe in their bodies cause they don't trust their bodies. It's like, Oh shit, my body's going to like go against me. I can't control ah. it. And so, um, a lot of people in wellness and holistic practices, it's like, Oh, we'll repeat this thing. I am safe. I am safe. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. like one day you'll wake up and be like, well, I'm safe. What I learned in, with my somatic therapists, which is a really, it's very much based on body is that. I would go in and they would say a mantra or an affirmation and I would have to repeat it and say, I said, I am safe, which is one of my things. And I would immediately start crying, start laughing or be like, yeah, I don't believe that. 
And so if you're repeating a man, a mantra that you don't believe, why are you just going to believe it? Like that doesn't mean you work through the reason you don't feel safe. Right. So for me, a couple sexual traumas, as well as not feeling good enough and trying to be perfect and having chronic illness and my body revolting against me, those were all the reasons I didn't feel safe. And Mm. so I had to like face on deal with these things in order to create safety in my body and then realize like, wow, I have created safety. I feel safe. And now I can say that mantra and I actually believe it. I love that. So for you, you can talk about your experience of not having felt safe in your body and your experience Uh, and how you feel safe now. And maybe you don't feel safe now. Maybe you're having gotten there. No, I think the biggest thing that comes down and I hope this like helps and answers or decently does, but, um, I, and we, we we talked about this in the beginning that the biggest thing I've ever learned is that you have to trust yourself more than anybody. And that doesn't mean you just trust yourself when you feel you're in a better place. That means you even trust yourself when you don't feel safe, you become your own protector. Right. So the one thing that I have learned is like, I am my protector. I am my best friend. So I've separated. I separate like this might sound del- I call it delusional confidence. OK, uh, it's it's just that's what I call it. And it's basically I am two separate people. I, OK, so like I know people are like, whoa, whoa, wait, she's got bipolar. She's two separate. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't worry. Like, I'm different not thing. Seeing, yeah, different thing. But I have a, a side of me that speaks to myself as if I was a best friend, because we speak all of these things when someone comes to us. Now, let's go to the safe thing and expresses their trauma or something like this. We're able to speak to them and help them feel better and help them feel safe. OK, so for me, I would say my mantra is on a daily basis, I communicate with myself. Constantly. My mother always told me the best conversation you can have is the one with yourself. And it may seem a little bit like crazy, but I act as that person that's like, Hannah, you're strong. You are not like defined by those things. And it's like me going, yeah, yeah, like you're right. You know, it's acting because I. I, I can't, you can't rely on thing, you know, you can't, not that you can't rely on other people, but you've got to be your shield and protector. And even in those moments where you don't feel safe, you're the one that steps outside of yourself and is like, you're a badass. You're a badass. Like what happened to you doesn't define you. Like I am safe. I am safe. And then you're thinking it, you're thinking it, you're, you're your own hype person and stuff like that. Um, does that answer it? I, I mean, think that's that- amazing. And what I, what, you know, I love that we speak different languages on we similar do. topics because we're able to reach different kinds of people and yes. help. And I, that's like one of my favorite things about this community that I have is mm-hmm. all these amazing women. We're reaching different types of people because of our language, but we're all doing the same work. Exactly. Oh, I love this. I love this. I love learning. I want to learn so much more. Same. Um, what comes up for me as you're talking about that is you're talking to your inner child. So is that okay? So many of us 
have trauma as children and that's what right. we're really working to reprogram and reparent. So it's almost like you're going in and being your own mom and telling okay. yourself, little Hannah, you're safe. It's yes. okay. I have your back. Maybe you didn't feel protected when you were five in this situation when something bad yeah. happened to you, but it's okay. Cause I have you now and I'm going to yeah. have your back and I'm going to protect you and I'm going to hold your hand and we've got this and you're so amazing. You are safe now. And yeah. that is how we reparent and how we move from a state of I'm not safe because of this thing that happened as a kid that I have felt has defined everything about my life, Yeah, which is what most of us go through to now I see what happened. Even something as silly as like getting lost in a grocery store and you think your mom like left you. So then you believe that you're not lovable enough and that your mom doesn't want you and you feel rejected, which that's not actually what happened. But when yeah. you're a little kid, that's the energy and the feeling that you get. Yeah. So as an adult, everything you do is about, I'm not lovable enough. I'm not good enough. And my mom nah. doesn't want me. So then you can go back into that scenario, whatever that is for you and tell yourself, which is what you're doing. You're having a conversation within your own body and reminding yeah. that girl you're safe. I have you ah. regardless of what happened before. And for me, it was really hard in, you know, my sexual assault. This is a perfect example. I was so yeah. mad at myself because I didn't scream. Exactly. And what I have done is go back and realize I was, I was in a, a moment of protecting myself. I yeah. did in that moment, what I thought was best for my safety. Yeah. And so I have thanked myself for showing up the way it felt safe for me at that time and letting go of the shame of what that looked like. And now repeating, you are safe and I have your back and it's okay. Wow. That is super powerful. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. That's super powerful. And I'm glad you explained it like that because now I have a clearer idea of what? Wow. Yeah, no, that is, it's something that is so important and vital. Right. And, and like, I do little things too. Like, you know, I've, I've dealt with like trauma from, you know, different things like sexually and stuff like that. And I do like little quirky things or like little just random stuff is I've written letters before to like those people and those things that have happened. And I literally one time started like, don't start a fire, but like in like kind of had my own, like with some friends, we all wrote letters about these different traumas and stuff. And then we read it to ourselves and then we tossed it in the fire. And, you know, like little things like that, sometimes not saying that it doesn't heal you, but I think it's always great to express, express yourself and make it tangible. Yes. And I love that you say that. That's an incredible practice I have utilized as well. And even if whether you burn it, you crumple it up, you throw it you away. Crumble, yep. So many times I've told people that if on the left side of the page, you write down all the things you need to get out and you throw mm. it away and you physically remove it and let it go. And then on the right page, you're writing down what you want to bring in now that you have the space and having cleared all that shit. Like yes. this no longer serves me. This is not mine anymore. I don't need it. And now over here, I'm going to write all the things that are for me because I have the space to do that now. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Exactly. So good. Exactly. Um, Sasha says, thank you. It's clear that I have to do a lot of inner child work right now. This message message has come up a few times this week. Girl, we all got to do that inner child oh, work. Oh, girl, our, yep. our lives are based off of doing inner child work. Yeah. See, but see, like even that with Sa- Sasha, don't feel like there is even in the comment you, you say there's a sense of shame. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh man, I still have a lot. Oh girl, we're all there. Like you shouldn't feel ashamed at all. Like Mm -hmm. you're, you're, it's not that you haven't done the work. It's just part of being human. And so often, um, Connor always talks about this thing called negativity bias. And we're, it means we're always looking for the negative everywhere we go. It's like, what's bad? What's negative? How can I like beat myself up for this thing? I didn't do right. And I am constantly doing that, especially in personal development. It's like you can, there's always more to do, right? There's always a book to read. There's always a thing to watch, whatever. Totally. Instead of having negativity bias for yourself at all times, give yourself fucking credit. Credit. Be like, damn, look at this thing I did for myself. Even if it's like I took a bath and it was really nice. Like that was for you. That feeds your soul on such a cellular level that you should be so proud because there is no right way to do this. There is Mm -mm. no um, judgment. There is no achievement. So many people in personal development really believe that, oh, I have to achieve this thing in order to do it right. And if I don't, then I failed. No, we have had enough moments where people told us we weren't good enough and where we feel we have failed. This is not the time. This is the time to hold our inner child, hold ourselves and be like, fuck, yeah, you're doing a great job. Yeah. And that's enough. I love that. I love that. Wow. Like, and even just talking about this, there's so much for me to learn and stuff on this side of things. I think for a while I was bitter, (laughs) you know, I recognize this and I'm like, I'm not going to anything, you know, that's like that because, but I've realized that's not productive and it's unfair. And I want to learn. So now I'm getting into like, I want to learn more about, you know, like all of this because you have to be knowledgeable in every area. Mm -hmm. Well, it just gives you a more holistic approach and not holistic and like natural holistic and like the holistic whole person. Yeah. Because there, there are things just like the way you and I speak differently to people there are things that will resonate with you that may not resonate with me, or maybe something will click. If you look at a book or listen to a thing that Mm -hmm. it didn't click before. And now all of a sudden it came in a different mode and you're like, Oh my God, that makes sense. And I think that's what you've done really with your platform and your book. I don't think mental health was resonating with a lot of people in this way. And then you come forward and you make it look differently and you feed it to them differently. And all of a sudden it's digestible and relatable and you're not above them. You are in it with them and then they can trust you, which then allows them to trust themselves. And so you've created a dialogue around this concept, which is so important. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Relating is huge. Like not being the speaker all the time, but being the person in the audience and I think for a while, why I had to be a little bit more open and raw is because people in the beginning of my advocacy were like, you're so stable. Like, how do I get like you? Because I was confident, that's how bad the mental illness problem is. They're like, she must be cured. She must be healed because nobody with mental illness, living with it, dealing with it would ever feel empowered. That's like never heard of. And so exactly like I think the biggest thing was that 
I'm not, I, I just, I think with anybody and I think what, even with you, what makes like a real successful advocate is when you're not above, but you're sitting with, you know, when you're like, Hey, I'm messed up too. Like we're in this together, you know, like I'm not, I, I don't, cause the other thing is I'm not holding myself to that. That's a lot of pressure. Look at what happened. I tell people I knew what was going to happen to Demi Lovato. Mm-hmm. I knew that was going to happen. She had way too much pressure on her to be the epitome of a stable girl living with bipolar. And she cracked. And I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. That's like a different, but yeah. No, I actually wanted to ask you about that because didn't Selena Gomez just come forward about having yeah, bipolar no, disorder as well? Did. I was she curious did. your she... take on that and the two of them. I mean, there's so much into this. We could talk about it for hours, but their role in advocacy and being, I mean, really they're the faces of this now because they're so famous. What that's like for you to watch other women your age come forward about something they've been living with for so much of their lives. I think it's amazing. And I think even specifically Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato, very lucky in that scenario, because I've always found them. I mean, even I'm not like, I don't listen to a ton of their music. I love it, but I've always felt they have been very genuine. I've met people that have met Selena Gomez that have said like, she's truly a a good person. So I feel very safe in that. Um, I love it. Uh, the only thing with Selena Gomez is, is she's, she had the diet, like she's come forward about it. But what happens and the problem I have with a lot of celebrities is they come forward and there's no action behind it. It's like, I have bipolar. And then in two months, it's like just something they have and they don't take action. Demi Lovato took action. She's a huge advocate in the community. Obviously, she's had these breakdowns and been open about it. Um, So I think that it's a really great representation. And I would just love it, though, if they came together with other women with bipolar. Mm -hmm. I mean, and men, but it's very difficult with men. I would like it if they step kind of out of doing the public speaking in the big interviews and they can do that, but bringing us all together because the reality is not everyone is Selena Gomez or Demi Lovato. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They don't have, it's very easy. It's, it's not easy to come out, but it's a lot easier to come out when you're making millions of dollars and you have a stable home to go to. You come out with bipolar disorder right now, you'll lose your job. Right. So I wish they would get a little bit more raw in the actual community. Have you thought about the fact that maybe they don't have the strength or ability to do that at this point? You know what? Maybe, you know, that is, see, I think, yeah, again, okay, Kelly Tennant is, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you're just killing it. You're killing it today. Okay, go girl. But um, I actually have that sense and have thought about that with both. But but Selena just came out like I'm not going to lie. I haven't even kept up as much as I probably should, because I have to be honest with you. A lot of people come out with bipolar disorder and then you don't hear about it, you know. But with Demi Lovato, after her breakdown, she stepped a little bit back. Because I feel like she's ashamed of herself because she had so much pressure on herself to be in recovery 
that when you do have a heroin overdose, okay, that she feels that she can't be an advocate, which I actually think is the opposite. Right. And so I definitely see with her, like even on World Bipolar Day, I I could be wrong about this. Tell me if I'm wrong. She didn't say anything. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think it's not her fault. I think that the community in many ways, it's our fault for putting that pressure and pushing her out. So I do believe, especially and specifically with her, there's tons of shame. Yeah. There's tons of shame. And I wish she knew that she didn't have to be an advocate that's a saint or in recovery or anything like that. Yeah. The the pressure word is really what keeps coming up. And like, oh. I don't know, you know, I've come forward about lots of things like my sexuality yeah. and being bisexual and, mm-hmm. and my whole spiritual awakening and leaving my job and all these things. But I didn't have millions upon millions of people just waiting for me to fail and to judge me. And so as strong and brave as I do believe I am on a regular basis, and this is how I feel about you so, so strongly, I don't know that we have the same pressure. We don't Mm. have as big of a platform, which is why it's so important for them to speak out, but we also don't have the pressure and the shame that they do. And so what I have realized is I'm like, okay, I want every woman to speak out about her experience, whatever it is the way I do. And what I realized is that's not everyone's role. And not all of us have the same ability to be strong or speak out or be that vulnerable. And I think that's something that you've done so well. And you clearly are such a leader in this space. Um, but I also think it's about showing grace for those who may not be able to meet us there. You're so right. You're so right. And I think that even with me, right, like I I'm glad you said this because it really awakened me. I'm like, do more. I'm like, you know, and I'm not even looking at them. And that's a problem. I'm looking at them from the outside thinking like, hey, what do you know? Like, what do you care when that's really not true? And if I like could say anything to them, right, it would be the fact of utilizing people like advocates and stuff like that, that are in coming together and building like a sisterhood to say, you don't necessarily have to come out, but you can be in a community where you're representing the community. Um, And then over time, like, I would love that. I would love to come together. I feel like we need to come together way more than we are. Mm. Do you have a sisterhood yourself? That you rely the on bipolar sisterhood. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Tell me about this. Bi- well, yes. Yeah, so back in the day, like I just started this thing where I noticed this was the beginning of when I noticed that empowerment was going to be such a huge part of my platform. Because the fact is, is that there's zero in the mental health community. It's like, you know, the same, you, you feel weak, you have no self-love. You feel like you have to be healed in order to have self-love. And so I realized, how do I react to when people tell me they have bipolar disorder? What is the healthy way to be compassionate, but also to empower? So majority are women that come forward with me. And instead of saying the first thing that came to mind and I would say to them was, oh my God, like welcome to the bipolar sisterhood. And it very much caught them off guard. Like I've had a couple of people that were like, the what? But automatically they have said that just from that, they immediately felt like part of something. 
you know, they felt like it was bigger than them. Like, oh, this is an empowerment thing, because honestly, empowerment is what leads you to treatment and everything like that. Um, And so, you know, basically, it's just other women with bipolar disorder. I think that we relate on a level that's unbelievable. We have the same stories we went through. We've got like the similar imagination. And it's so important that we bond on that because you feel so alone. And it's crazy because you're really not. In this time of isolation Mm. for people who do have mental illness, what would you say is the best thing they can do for themselves so they know they aren't alone, even if they are physically self-isolating or in quarantine, maybe with a partner and they feel like, oh shit, like I, it's just me. I'm the only one on the planet going through this thing. Right. Right. So this is when the luckiest thing, right, is that we do have social media and we do have online. And the number one thing I always tell people, even outside of isolation is especially more than ever. Now you've got to get involved. And that doesn't mean you have to come out. That means that you have to be in many ways consuming yourself in people who are speaking about mental health and people that are opening up and making you feel less ashamed. And you've got to utilize social media. And instead of following like uh, other people, you're really absorbing in- inspirational content. There's so much like on online today and everything like that. And the one big thing I've been telling to people with mental illness that is that, first of all, I know it's easier said than done. OK, so isolation isn't easy for anyone, but. When you give to others, you give to yourself. And although people look at that as a cliche, cliche statement, it's the truest statement, right? People with mental illness have a very unique opportunity right now to make those who don't live with mental illness feel not alone. I think the most important thing for people with mental illness, and again, that doesn't mean you have to come out or anything like that, but People who don't have extreme emotions are don't even know what the hell is going on inside of them right now. I have friends who have never even had our borderline cold, you know, like anything. They're like, I'm dying. I'm dying. I think I like my life is over. And I'm like, girl, like that was this you morning. Like you're know. fine. Yeah. Right. Like you're fine. Like you're fine. And it's calmed them down. And I think that number one, when you're in isolation, it's empowering to know that you're giving like that and to know that you're those emotions that you feel even in isolation are somewhat productive. Um, And that means just sharing posts and like just making sure that people understand and reaching out to a friend like I get it, you know, because like people deal with anxiety every single day. I mean, I have mood swings and go through extremes every single day. A lot of people who don't live with like I have friends, my cousin who, you know, like is like was in bed and couldn't move and hated herself for it. I was like, chill, like you can you can cope in your own way. And that made her feel better. And that's so that's the biggest thing I would say. I love that. I thank you. Adore you. I I just think you're so so amazing. I adore you, Kelly. You're (laughs) truly changing this world. You bring. I'm so lucky to have you because you come from such a different perspective. And I do find you to be very, I mean, I obviously regardless, but very unique in what you're doing because a lot of people in that area, they don't speak to people. They don't invite a lot of people with mental illness onto their platforms. Mm -hmm. 
And I think you're creating your own movement within it. And I just think that's really, really special. Thank you so much. That, wow. No, of course, girl, let's hype each other up. It's okay. Right? (laughs) I'll be your cheerleader. You be mine. This is going to be great. Um, and I just want to thank everyone for joining us. I yes, appreciate you, you all so much. And this will be um, on the show so you guys can re-listen to this. And um, I just, yeah, thank you for showing up so vulnerably, Hannah. You are such a Oh my gosh, Kelly, thank you so much. And thank you to everybody. Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, if you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.